What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I am your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Geek. <laughs> I don't know why it's so much fun to say, but it's here to stay. Uh, I have a great guest on the podcast today. Uh, it is Joey Bayersdorfer from Clear Packaging. You can check them out if you're watching this on YouTube. You can check out behind me. We've got Clear dash packaging.com and you're gonna hear all about joey all about a story and all about some ways that clear packaging can be that data analytics company for you and your packaging let's give a quick shout out to our favorite sponsor in the whole world spec right we're talking about data analytics we're talking about measuring the impact of your packaging so of course we have to talk about spec right spec right is the place to get all of your specification data in one spot a single source of truth so that you can figure out sustainability you can figure out different materials you can combine materials you can save money on your spend right now prices are going through the roof supply is everywhere make sure you have control of your data go to specright.com s-p-e-c-r-i-g-h-t.com slash p-k-g to learn some more speaking of learning more you are not going to want to miss this episode with joey so here it is check it out hey thank Thanks, uh, thanks so much, Joey, for joining me here on the People of Packaging podcast. It's been, uh, you're kind of one of the first I had put out this idea of like, I'm going to create a Google form and, um, and have some people just fill it out. And it's been awesome to get to see the feedback that's come from that. So, you know, really appreciate you doing that. If anyone else has any suggestions or people that you want to nominate who are super awesome and rad like Joey, uh, you can go over to incasemedia.com, which is E-N-C-A-S-E, media.com. And there is a People of Packaging podcast application. You can nominate people there. Uh, you can also go and fill out the same form for uh, Corey Connors, Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors, along with packages, Package Design Unboxed with Avelio Matos. All three of us are sponsored and supported by our friends at Specrite. Uh, you want to, we're going to be talking a lot about the importance of specifications and, and packaging testing and all that sort of stuff. We're going to get into it. Uh, so make sure you go uh, support our friends, learn about what they're doing at specrite.com, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com backslash P-K-G. I am joined by Joey Byersdorfer. I nailed the last name, which I totally messed up the first two times I tried to say it before the call. And, uh, and, and Joey, I really appreciate you coming on all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks for joining the People of Packaging Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Very happy to be here and excited to have our conversation today. Uh, you Have you ever uh, said first-time caller, long-time listener? I've used to call into sports talk shows, and I would say that all the time. But Yep. That uh, I have heard the phrase, I haven't used it, but I hear it all the time listening to sports talk radio. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I just, just once, Joey, just once, I want someone to be like, "Hey, first time caller, long time listener to the podcast." <laughs> first time caller, long time listener, Adam. Excited oh, to be here. Man, I love it. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for making my day. Uh, all right, so you know, we start off every episode with this general question, which is just, "Who in the world are you?" And what is it that you do? So why don't you just introduce yourself to our People of Packaging listeners beyond just Joey Byersdorfer at Clear Packaging? 
Absolutely. So I'm our vice president of sales and marketing at Clear Packaging. And my career started in the industrial automation industry, actually. I'm an engineer by degree. I came out of school as an application engineer working in the high precision motion industry. So CNC and industrial robotics, really fascinating industry. We served everything from water jet cutting to CNC milling to gear metrology and everything in between. Opportunity opened up to move into the dark side of sales. And so moved into that out of programming into a sales engineer. And it was a fascinating time because you got to work the entire sales process from discovery to call and cold call, and then also into kind of account services and after sales support. Loved it, but found there was kind of a gap in my education. So went back to business school to get a degree in finance and accounting. Uh, moved down to Atlanta with my wife, and I've been working for the uh, Home Depot for the past five years, kind of in a sales finance and analytics role. Had the opportunity to move back to Cincinnati here recently, my hometown and where I grew up. Um, with my wife and my uh, young family uh, so that they could be closer to grandparents and got connected with clear packaging and couldn't be you know love the business not model more and what we're doing and what our goals are in the industry and so i'm our, our very first sales and marketing professional at our company so building out kind of our strategy um, to bring our our, re our services and our capabilities to the packaging industry so just a little bit more about clear packaging and specifically who we are you know, so we are a third-party testing laboratory kind of at our base. So we test over 500 different parameters. We're ISO accredited. Those parameters are all 100% dedicated to packaging, whether it's paper or resin or new materials like PHA and PLA or um, cellulose acetate, anything like that. We're trying to be the leaders in what that third-party testing looks like. Cool. And we think, yep. And so um, we grew up in the quick serve restaurant market. Um, so you can think we, you know, a lot of the cups and lids and clamshells and fry boxes and in industry where we can help really improve the quality, increase sustainability initiatives, help our customers and the suppliers achieve those goals. That's where we grew up. But my responsibility is to grow our company in a disciplined approach into QS or outside of QSR, still staying within it, but into e-commerce, CPG, automotive, candy, kind of all the different industries that involve packaging. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You've got an interesting background. Uh, first of all, you said a whole bunch of words that I don't know what they mean. When you said, yeah, I, you know, it was really cool because I got to do it. It was like, what, you know, like I, I got to work on flux capacitors and then, you know, I went into uh, to water aerobics or something. I was like, what is he talking? I have no idea <laughs> what these words mean. Uh, I, you know, CNC Music Factory, all of it. So uh, that was that was cool. So you went you were in you didn't really grow up in packaging then, right? Like you weren't like packaging engineering. It sounds like you went through this engineering background into finance at Home Depot. When did you move from Atlanta, which by the way, PSA, you've heard this on the show from my friend, Megan Young Gamble. If you do not refer to it as Hotlanta ever, 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 they don't like it in Atlanta. So just call it Atlanta. So you moved from Atlanta back home to Cincinnati. When was that? That was about a year ago. Oh, okay. So it, it's it's still it's still fresh in into the packaging industry. Absolutely, I would call myself a, a packaging industry newbie. Uh, but from a technical standpoint, what's been nice is it's been a, a great transition to it. And leading a sales and marketing team, what's great is that our company, being the first person, kind of growing that external reaching 
uh, role at our company. Everyone else has been internal. We've grown organically. I'm surrounded by a great cast of people that have grown up in the packaging industry. Everything from working in paper mills to working at bag manufacturing plants to corrugate plants and distrib distribution and kind of everything in between. So I've had we have an excellent team supporting me as I kind of develop our structure for bringing our company out um, to different markets and growing within the quick serve restaurant market. How long has Clear Packaging been around and how many people are there? Yep, we're reaching nine years this summer uh, and we have 21 employees. Okay. How many are on the uh, sales and marketing side? Two of us. Okay, that's great. Uh, and, and is the other person, are they newer to the company as well? Uh, they are, but they have spent their entire career in packaging. So cool. That's we have that positive aspect to it. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, well, th that's that's super helpful background, Joey. I I think the packaging industry needs the sort of the both and of what you described. So we need the the people like I call it like the 50 over 50 club, right? Like we need the people who I just I actually just wrapped up a live interview with Paul Unruh from Atlapack and it was on uh, YouTube and um, and LinkedIn. And, you know, he's been 32 years in the industry, uh, just a, a treasure trove of knowledge around flexible packaging. Like, please, we don't want that. We, we we're going to suffer if if folks like Paul end up leaving the industry. On the flip side of that, and it's interesting to have the two conversations kind of back to back because you're one year into your journey into the packaging industry and I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm at like year 15, but I came up through the pastoral ranks as a uh, as an ordained Southern Baptist minister. So, you know, like I kind of bring a little bit of a different perspective to the industry relative to other folks as well. So it's it's refreshing to hear just the excitement come from your voice about entering into the to this world of packaging. So congratulations, first of all, on on the role and for the you know, it sounds like for the the first year of success and and hopefully many, many more to come. I appreciate that, Adam. And yeah, when we when we think about what clear packaging is trying to do and the technical aspects of us, because we really think of ourselves as a data analytics company rather than just a testing laboratory. You know, our lab is all roads lead back to our lab. It's a genesis for everything we do. But our main goal of our laboratory is to collect clean data. You know, when we think about analytics and illuminating a packaging supply chain and finding kind of sustainability initiatives and quality initiatives, some of the things we try to do, you know, finding that clean data is the most important thing. There's data scientists out there in every single industry but unfortunately, most of their time is spent trying to clean up that data from free form entry boxes or different databases and how they manage that. You know, we can guarantee that we have clean data to get that tangible, actionable insights very quickly to our clients, their suppliers and everyone else that interacts with their supply chain. So even though I'm a newbie to the packaging industry, you know, my, my history in engineering and analytics is what really drew me and is what helped me keeps me passionate every day and wanting to learn more about the industry. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we've got this, uh, my, my podcast and a few others, we've got this great partnership with Specrite, who is, is in, a, in a different bucket of data analytics, but similar in that uh, you, would, you would cross over, right? So talk to me about the process. If I'm a brand 
and and I need I need some sort of testing, whether it's sustainability testing or you know burst strength or whatever it is. Does that information, that clean data that you get, how does it then go back to the customer in a way that's actionable, or is that sort of just variable? Yeah, so it, it's a great question. So we we actually have our homegrown uh, kind of uh, cloud-based portal, data portal that we call our Clearview data portal. And how what the idea is, is that data is housed in there for ongoing maintenance and ongoing trending information and discovery sessions. And so, you know, we work and or we have, you know, worked with plenty of companies that use SpecRite as a repository system, helping to update their specifications. It's a key part of kind of the buyer, the quality control process, everything like that. And we don't compete on that side. We're not a sure. repository when it comes to specifications and we don't have that kind of aspect aspect of it. But what our data portal allows a cust uh, our customers to do is house that long-term trending. So you, we've been around for nine years. Some of our original customers have nine years worth of trending data on what their cups, boxes, bags, anything that they would use, especially since we grew up in the quick serve restaurant market, kind of anything you would buy going through one of those drive-through windows. You can see also how your suppliers, you know, how they're performing, um, how they stack rate, rank against each other. You can deep dive down into performance. Basically, our goal is if you're a buyer, you're a quality control manager, you're a sales associate with the company, kind of anyone, any of those parties that we connect is we start the conversation between everyone that's involved in the packaging supply chain on here's opportunity to improve, here's opportunity to help us go out and win new business. And then ultimately here's opportunity for waste reduction and sustainability. And also this may be an, an area of focus for us in improvement as we think about our supply chain. So that data portal, the, the long-term trending, the data collection, the deep dive analysis that we have, the different tools that we have for them to look into it really helps our, our our customers understand what their supply chain looks like. And so just to just to give you a little kind of more information on how our program works, kind of our flagship program is our routine testing program. Okay. So we think about that routine maintenance, you know, it's the Hawthorne effect. As soon as you keep looking at data and you're looking, or excuse me, at anything, you start monitoring anything, the idea that quality is gonna come up. You know, the analogy I use is I look, if I'm not looking at my kid's report card every, quarter when they get it back, you know, that kind of leaves room. They know we're not monitoring it. You know, they're not going to bring those grades up. But if I review with it with them every single quarter, they understand that I'm paying attention. And hopefully that leads to better grades, but you never know. But hopefully the analogy kind of makes sense. And right. so with our routine testing program, we ask that um, our client suppliers send us a random batch sample from their production line for that month. And we look at, you know, once a month is a great amount of data because it usually aligns with production runs. Uh, it's also not too taxing on the suppliers, but 12 data points a year allows us to really do that trending analysis appropriately. And so when we uh, receive that data, we do all the tests on it, the gamut of tests that we run, all those tests get loaded into our data portal. And then from there, there's a dashboard view all the way down to this test on this machine, on this date, looking at kind of the performance of that specific product line in that SKU that was sent to us. And then a lot of different views in between dedicated quality control managers, marketing professionals, sales, buyers, because everyone has a stake in their packaging supply chain. We try to illuminate, you know, all those opportunities for all parties, you know, with our, our process and what we do. That's cool. Uh, I want to, I want to go back to something that you said about this idea. I, I, I'm such a, I'm a huge believer in data. 
just personally, uh, one of my favorite books is Measure What Matters. And so as you're talking about the Hawthorne effect of if if we don't if we don't highlight the if, if well, you said it better than I did, right? If you don't if you're not putting eyes on the data, then the quality is going to deteriorate. So the the more that we can build out transparency and speed to acquire the data, then the quicker that we can act on it and increase its quality. So um, as as we're looking at, like I, I saw an article today that Colorado is the next state that's going to be voting on extended producer responsibility. They would join Maine and Oregon. Uh, it seems as though California is putting a whole lot of things into place for for sustainability measures. Brands are making commitments to to certain ends by whenever 2030 or 2025. So I, I'm an advocate and I tell brands, you can't actually know what you're going to get until you've tested and validated the data. Like you have to do this. It's not, it's not a, it's not a question of should I, like you have to, you have to do it. So if you have a brand and they're going to lightweight their corrugated, or they're going to switch to a fully recycled corrugated box, they're going to switch to a hundred percent PCR, uh, or 50% post-consumer recycled waste flexible pouch or whatever it is. Like you got to test it because it's not going to help anybody if this thing fails. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if packaging doesn't deliver, it doesn't, there's no sustainability measure that is going to get better. And furthermore, it's going to cost you a ton of money and potentially even put you out of business. So are you seeing more brands on the sustainability side doing the testing to, to to hit goals and and even to prepare for some of these EPR laws that are coming? A absolutely. So we have kind of a one-off projects team as well, you know, where we specifically have a different dedicated laboratory to projects rather than routine. And that project revenue for us started last year at about 25%. It's moved up to 45% this year, simply because of all these one-off projects, whether it's benchmarking, benchmarking you know, incumbents coming in to try to replace an existing product that they want to get out to get, get out of because of sustainability issues or thinking about waste reduction. Because ultimately, with a lot of the customers that we work with and their suppliers, it's difficult to get through a lot of the greenwashing that happens in the sustainability industry. How can you really tangibly know that this is sustainable? You know, we have a customer moving to plastic because it's recyclable, whereas we have people moving to paper because they think it's, you know, it's a more sustainable source of the material and, and what's right. You know, we also look at PLA. One of the, ch the challenges with PLA is it's great because it comes from renewable resources. It's biodegradable, but it's only biodegradable in industrial composting facilities. And so not everyone has access to that. And with the resin code of seven, it usually gets thrown in the trash, you know, by the MRFs and the, the material recycling facilities and everything like that. And so we partner with our clients to really help them understand where sustainability can happen. And right now where we specialize in is in material reduction, because that is a tangible way. I can use this much less paper per year in my boxes if I do this. I can use this much less plastic. You know, one of those if-then kind of statements that can help them achieve their sustainability goals while the industry really focuses on what is and what's right for sustainability. And yeah. so we look at testing all the time where how can we take, use a different fluted corrugate for this box and still meet the performance goals. We do all that kind of performance testing. And while the majority of our tests are TAPI or ANSI, you know, recognized testing, we're very transparent about my te our testing. We specialize in custom testing as well. You know, we have 
a six axis robotic arm in our office that can mimic someone jogging with a bag, for example. You know, we'll do we'll do tests with pizza boxes where we'll put a two liter on top of it. We'll wet it to a certain way, kind of simulating grease. You know, those aren't TAPI or ANSI specific tests, but we work right. with our customers to develop performance testing to make sure real world scenarios that it'll match. Because, you know, ultimately what we hear, our customers say they want to reduce the amount of material in their packaging, but it needs to perform at the same level because as soon as you start getting food spoilage, that's a bigger sustainability issue than the packaging itself. So those are the problems we help our customers work with every day. Yeah, I I just had a, an episode um, with uh, Mark Hu Alexander from Danone and then um, Prashant Jagtop from uh, Compass from Triac, which is right there in the Cincinnati area. It was a little awkward because I recorded it before the Super Bowl and he was like, eh, who day? Go Bengals. And then I released it after the Super Bowl and I was like, oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were talking about that exact thing, right? This idea of um, not just not just reduction in packaging, but putting tangible measures around it. But you can't. It, it's easy. I'll say this. It's easy to reduce your packaging, right? Like you can say, oh, we want to go from a 24 point SBS board stock to a 18 point 100 percent PCR clay coated news back. Okay, great. Like any folding carton company will make that box for you. But testing to understand what the impact is on your product is is significantly more important than just making the de decision to make the reduction. And and for the record, like I'm a vice president of sales for a company that makes folding cartons. And I will tell you, we are not the folks to do that testing. The the folding carton manufacturers are not equipped by and large I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but by and large, we can anecdotally tell you things, but you want to, you want to go to third party companies, you know, like clear packaging because you, you want to have, you want to have that third party verification. And I don't want the, I don't want to be held accountable to something that I don't have all the equipment to test anyway. So it doesn't help me to put you into this new, this lighter weight folding carton material and have it start crushing have it start damaging your product, have uh, increase your amount of returns, uh, increase your waste and, and decrease your profits all because, you know, we didn't, we didn't make that test happen. So I'm a huge advocate for, it doesn't, uh, for any type of packaging testing. And, you know, I, I, I think unfortunately, and this is where I'll kind of get to my last question. And then I want to give you a chance to help people connect with you. It seems like, unfortunately, for the 15 years that I've been in packaging, it was sort of this like this like siloed segment of the business where it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna market it, we're gonna brand it, we're gonna do all of this stuff, and then and then it gets all the way down to it. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it, plus the packaging. We gotta, we gotta figure out packaging. And it's like, wait, when do we have to have this to the retailer? Uh, we've got two months. We haven't even validated or tested it. The testing's gonna take X amount of time, whatever it is, 30 days. And then we have to manufacture it. And then we have to ship it in. And then it has to get filled. Like we can't be there. And they're like, well, just make it happen. And what got skipped? The testing, right? And uh, is that a challenge that you still have to overcome? Or in your year there, do you feel like it's it? CPG or QSR companies are allowing more time now for validating the testing of the of the packaging. Yep, I think there 
more time is being allotted to it, but the packaging is always a secondary and mostly even a tertiary thought kind of in the design process. But you look at consumer validation, how these CPG companies keep think about slotting on the shelves, first impression, you know, the customers that we work with, even in the QSR space or in the e-commerce space, you know, that's your first brand impression. When you hand a cup out the drive-through window or you receive a package on your doorstep, or you're looking at a convenience store and this bag of candy or this box that you're looking at, that's turning into a customer impression, the look, feel. So part of the validation process that we look at when we really think about from idea to end market is there's three forms of that validation. There's the ongoing testing, as you mentioned, kind of from a physical packaging standpoint, there is the consumer adoption testing, and then there's the ongoing maintenance to make sure that it's adhering to what you originally looked at. And so we don't really get into the, the pretend to get into the consumer validation space. You know, the CPGs are very good at that. There's companies that are very, very good at that. But that initial qualification, as well as the ongoing testing is where we really kind of find a key. And so when these companies, when it gets skipped, that initial testing, so the secondary tertiary thought we have to get at the market, and if that gets pushed through where we help our customers is that ongoing maintenance piece. Because usually if it's forgotten in the beginning, no one really knows that you can do that ongoing maintenance from, or ongoing maintenance testing from an unbiased, unemotional third party that dedicates into it, you know, ourselves to it. And that's an opportunity where you can join whenever in the life cycle of the project uh, or of the product. Yeah. And at that point, we can help surface you know, um, opportunities to improve or surface opportunities to update. So while we can't change the mindset of a packaging being secondary and tertiary thoughts, what we can do is intersect at any point in that product's life cycle to create an ongoing maintenance program to help it become more of a reality, help our brands understand that packaging shouldn't be tertiary secondary because improving quality relate translate to this number of sales increases, things like that. And so that's where we're really trying to help our brands. But I do agree that packaging is still one of the last thoughts in the process, something that we need to help our clients and our clients I know want to improve as well. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's it's something that I hope begins to change over time. Uh, you know, certainly this this podcast is is the tiniest little microcosm of being able to help change that. But I I'm such a believer in the importance of packaging for uh, not just brands, but the the role that it's going to play around environmental sustainability initiatives for we have it's the fastest growth of human population that the planet has ever seen in the last hundred years by a by a large magnitude and so feeding people is is going to become critical with fewer resources and packaging plays a massive role in that so i'm i'm so glad that you have joined in to uh, you've caught the packaging bug and uh, you are you're, you're doing some great things there how do people get in touch with you how do they learn more about what it is you're doing at clear packaging um, you know, how, how do they get more of Joey Byers Dorfer? Did I say it, uh, say it right again? You did. Yes, you did. Nailed. Two for two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So honestly, the best way is to call us, you know, my, my cell phone number is 513-256-7293. Uh, we love just talking with our customers. We talk to them and their suppliers. We talk to them on a weekly basis. You know, that's the best way to reach out. Um, you know, also we're, you know, our website is clear-packaging.com have a lot of good information on what our programs look like there. And then we're also at, on LinkedIn at Clear Packaging. So any of those avenues work the best, but honestly, we just, we love picking up the phone, talking to our customers, helping them talk through different problems, because ultimately our goal 
is we want to partner and we want to find customers rather than sales. You know, our goal is to be there, be that third party on Emotional Lab that they can reach out to for help in the process. And that's our goal. I love it. Yeah. So everybody go check out clear dash. So clear dash packaging.com uh, or, or find them. I'll make sure to put all these links into the show notes so that if you're listening to this on your mobile device and you just want to scroll down and click uh, a hyperlink, you can go ahead and do that. Joey, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for filling out the form and uh, for, for jumping on the podcast. It's been, it's been great. I'm grateful for the role that you all play in the industry, the, the critical and important role that you play in our industry. And, and I hope that some some companies are, are able to reach out and connect with you because it's it's one of the biggest questions that I get is how can how can I get this validated? How can I get this tested? So I'm grateful to know you and have you part of the uh, the packaging network here. And with that. I will say uh, thanks to all the listeners. Be sure to like and subscribe and do all that good stuff. It only helps us spread the word about how great this packaging industry is. Thanks again, Joey. I really appreciate it. Yep. And thanks, Adam. Appreciate all you do for the industry as well. Thanks for bringing awareness to it all. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome.